0: This is Bulls Beat on USF Bulls Unlimited. Each weekday morning, Bulls Beat is your stop for exclusive interviews, highlights, and the very latest on all sports at the University of South Florida. With today's show, here's your host, Derek Sharp.
1: And on this Tuesday show, we've got plenty of interesting news to pass along to you when it comes to football and a date to mark down on your calendar. In fact, you only want to mark it down. You'll put it right into your mental Rolodex for next week. Does anyone use Rolodex's anymore? I hope so. Also, plenty of basketball. Both Dulcey Fankhamengiadu and Tyler Harris of the women's and men's teams respectively got some league recognition, very deservedly so. We'll give some highlights and actually some audio of both individuals. We'll also continue our baseball and softball interviews, as I said this week. We'll start off with Baseball and Boogie Brown. Yes, his first name is Ethan, but you can call him Boogie and he'll answer to that. We'll also give you one of the many characters as I discovered upon talking to several members of the team and that is Emily Hanlon on the softball squad so we said we had some football news would you like to meet the head coach in person there is going to be a special football radio show it's going to be this coming up Monday that would be January the 30th the official date to mark on your calendar six to seven o'clock at the familiar place our friends at world of beer on Fowler Avenue Jim Lauk Joey Johnson will be the hosts of the show. I'm sure there will be some uh, extra stuff added to the hour-long festivities, but point is you need to be there and make it sound like a really big crowd in the background. You know why? Because it should be a big crowd in the background. Coach Golish and our radio crew on Monday night, 6 to 7, at World Beer on Fowler Avenue. Today, as it so happens, will be the first of what's going to be a series of about 10, and that's about how many assistant coaches there are on Golish's staff interviews. That Jim Lauk will be doing for us for USF Bulls Unlimited and Bulls Beat. Also for social media purposes, so that they can put out some video of the interviews, but you're gonna hear the audio. And today, the first of those will be Gio Corrides, who just got named the head strength and conditioning coach as they announced a full five man staff when it comes to strength and conditioning. He was the Iowa State coordinator of that part of things for the last six years. David Norris also comes on board. He was the assistant sports performance coach last year at Stanford, has had several stops prior to that. Frank Phelis comes right from ECU, where he was an assistant for strength and conditioning the last four years. Also, Matt Garcia and Cody Hopkins will be assistant strength and conditioning coaches. Garcia served as an intern with Ohio State staff last year and was also at Iowa State, played for that Division 3 Powerhouse Mount Union as a running back he was on the 2017 national title team while Hopkins was at Nebraska last year and previously yes again at Iowa State also was a former intern at FSU if you want to see what these guys look like it's a nice little graphic on the gousfbulls.com website and again we will hear from Mr. Corides himself essentially they're going to set it up so that the first you know you see video sound bites has to get recorded, so that'll be the first part of things, and then an actual straight audio interview between Jim and the assistant coach in this case for strength and conditioning, will follow, and we'll have that for you basically the next day on Bulls Unlimited, so that means tomorrow. Now let's move on to basketball, and the American Athletic Conference Player of the Week for women's basketball was none other than our own Dulce Fancam Mangiadu. No surprise when you average 20 points and 15 rebounds almost perfect at the free throw line. That was big, by the way. 10 for 11. Went for 22 points and 17 boards against Houston while going nine for 13. Here's some of that action.
2: Oh, Wilson, a great pass and one. That was all sorts of nifty. Dulce Fankamangianu, It was kind of like throwing behind a receiver, but Dulce made the catch, going to her left, ball to her right, and then quickly put it up and in. She is unstoppable today. They're running the weave. They go inside, and that's a good steal by Dulcie. A nice knockaway as they try to feed it inside to Hill, who's done nothing. She picked up those two fouls early. Got to watch out for Tatiana Hill. She's probably loaded for bear Now, Dulce with Hill on her. Oh, puts her in the dust. A great move to the hoop by Dulce, and a timeout for Houston. Dulce Fancomangiadu, Double-double already with that move, and the Bulls. Have it going here in the third quarter, leading it 31 to 23. Put it away maybe with his possession. If they don't score here, you get a little nervous. Over to Precious, Struggled in the second half. Bounces it to Dulcie. Six on the shot. Knocks it down. Dulcie Fankamengiadu. That's a big bucket right there.
1: I believe the phrase back shoulder though is the one that I wanted to use on that first inbounds pass. Dulcie Fankamengiadu. Whatever shoulder she was on, whatever hand she is using, these days, she is able to. Really make it look easy out there, even though she worked so hard in that game against Houston, where the Bulls hung on to win 58-56, again, 22.17 rebounds, and, by the way, played the entire 40 minutes. More on that in just a little bit. Then on Sunday against UCF, the Knights, who lost their two interior beasts, Masani Kaba and Brittany Smith, I mean, beasts in a very positive way they were outstanding defenders and it really made it tough to score against the Knights in general well they didn't have anything like that now they held her down she did not hit a field goal in the first quarter but it's funny and it's this way with all three of the top three scores for the Bulls it seems like this year either Sammy Puisos or Elena Chenecki or Dulce Fanke will have a rough half or even a quarter and you look up and they're right around their average I was uh, finally and I needed to do this Getting rid of some trash before I head out of town with the women's basketball team, and I you know, had a bunch of old notes and box scores piled up, and I you know, just glanced at a couple of them, and I glanced at the Alabama box score before we get back to Dulce, and Sammy Puises hit her career high in that game with 26 points. Do you remember how many she had in the first half? That would be two. <laughs> in this case, we're talking about Dulce Fankamengiado against. UCF where she only had two points in the first quarter those coming at the free throw line so if you want to call it stat padding at the end she definitely deserved it because she got all but one of her rebounds in the first three quarters and then she started jacking up the points there in the fourth
2: give the ball to dulcie strong move to the hoop and dulcie thank scores again easily and it's 69 to 43.
0: yeah dulcie's pick and roll is so good she does such a nice job
2: 15 points, 13 rebounds. She'll hit right around her averages. She needs another two points to get her scoring average. She's just a tick above her rebounding average. Four minutes to go in this one. Her counterpart on the other side, the average of a double-double. Destiny Thomas, not today, folks. Three points and seven rebounds. And this could be the other two points I was talking about. They are for Dulcie Fancamengiotti. Jeanette Arneo sends it inside, and UCF. Can't handle that.
1: So 18 points on the day seven, yes, in the fourth quarter. Six for six at the free throw line as she completed that three-point play before departing along with those 13 rebounds. This is something that we mentioned on the broadcast. She is one of the candidates, and there are only 14, so I like her chances for the Becky Hammond Award. That is Player of the Year in Mid-Major Conferences, yes, You definitely have to consider the American a mid-major when it comes to women's basketball. It's tough to call it that for men's basketball because of the presence of Houston, even though, if you missed it, over the weekend, Houston got beat by Temple. It relates to the Bulls because they play Temple tomorrow night. Abby Sue from Columbia, and that is uh, one of the players that has been competing at the top of the list, along with Sammy Puises. And Hannah Jump from Stanford for most three-point makes in the country. She is one of these finalists. you got players from the Mountain West, Colorado State. you got Middle Tennessee State. Oh, speaking of the Blue Raiders, before we get back to Dulcie, Middle Tennessee State, Savannah Wheeler. She's a big-time transfer for them, and that's why they've been so good this year. And so good that they got ranked yesterday, and I was wrong. The Bulls did not get ranked. Not upset about it. You're going to hear Jose Fernandez talk about it here in just a second. But Middle Tennessee State, you could see this was going to happen. They've been rolling along. They are legitimate, and they were ahead of the Bulls in the receiving votes category. And we told you that a lot of teams near the bottom of the rankings and those that were ahead of the Bulls in the receiving votes category lost, so you like the chances. I was a little surprised to see Florida State knock into the poll, but hey, they've got the same overall record as the Bulls. They've got comparable wins. What surprised me a little bit is Colorado did not fall out of the poll. Now, granted, they lost to Stanford, but if we are keeping the Bulls out because the teams they played are highly ranked but they lost to them, then why does Colorado get to stay in there for a loss? Texas did fall out. It's the first time there's not been a Texas team in the AP Top 25 in the poll's entire existence. So there are only two teams between the Bulls and the rankings. They are Tennessee and Texas. Here's what I think. There's also a nice little pad between the Bulls and teams behind them. We've been saying it for a while now. You're going to see teams from the mid-majors that are behind the Bulls get a couple of big wins during a week and jump over them, and it happened most recently with Texas. I think we have finally come to the end of that cycle. If you look who's underneath USF, nine points behind them is Southern Cal. Southern Cal starting to get some traction, deservedly so. Guess what? It beat Stanford, no doubt about that. Arkansas dropped a couple of games back-to-back last week. They were ahead of the Bulls. They only got two votes. But God bless Arkansas, a team that the Bulls meet, by the way, so they should be ahead of. They had to play at LSU and at South Carolina on back-to-back games. They actually came back from being looking like they get blown out of the gym to leading at LSU and barely losing at the end. And then they kind of ran out of steam the other day against South Carolina. Did you see the stats in that game? We'll get back to the Bulls in a second. The final score was 92-46. to The rebounding stats in that game, 74-17 to South Carolina. Anyway, Arkansas was going to drop. You knew that. So here's what I would say if you're upset, and I know a lot of people are, about the Bulls not getting ranked. Teams at the bottom of the top 25 right now, specifically I'm talking about Illinois and Colorado, and probably Florida State, are just naturally going to drop some games because of the conferences they play in. Between those three, Tennessee and Texas, basically the Bulls have to hope that, three of them drop some games and it's just naturally going to happen. And if the Bulls keep winning, then they will get ranked. Another thing that you always have to caution yourself about is, you know, where, why aren't we in the polls? Complain, complain, complain. Well, what if the Bulls were ranked yesterday? They could easily get knocked out tomorrow if they lose, because that's going to be a tough one, which of course we will preview on tomorrow's Bulls beat. But here was Jose after the game saying, hey, what about this not being ranked stuff?
0: I don't need it. We've, you know, this program's been ranked plenty of times in the top 25. I mean, what do we get for it? It's great. It's great for our university athletic program. I think our kids, deep down, they feel disrespected. You know, we've got two top 25 wins and a top 50 win. There's some guys in that, in that poll that haven't played the schedule we have. But again, that's out of our control, right? We can control going to Tulsa, control what we're, how we're going to play at Tulsa control how we're gonna practice and lift on Monday and how we're gonna know our scout and how we're gonna prepare.
1: And just to review their schedule, Ohio State did finally get beat last night. Iowa and Ohio State basically flopped spots, but stayed in the top ten. Of course, Iowa in the top ten now. Caitlin Clark had a 15 assist triple-double. That's what it took to beat Ohio State, which fell to 19-1. The Buckeyes still are the highest ranked team the Bulls played, and again, Bulls led them by 18, 31-13 early and led them by double digits in the fourth quarter. And even after blowing the lead, led by six with a minute to go in overtime, clearly should have won that game. Ohio State's 10th, right behind them is, I'm talking about the net rankings now, the computer rankings that the NCAA committee goes big time on. There's Texas, a team the Bulls beat, sitting at 11. Right behind them, by the way, at the 12th spot, that would be NC State, a team the Bulls fell by single digits to on the road. Michigan is at the 16th spot. It actually got beat last night as well. But it was going up against Indiana, which is itself a highly ranked team. That was a good game, incidentally. Indiana's still in the fifth spot. Hey, look, one underneath Michigan is Villanova at 17. Yes, the Bulls have played all five of those teams. Now, they only beat one of them. Michigan was the other one where they really had a good chance. And obviously, I think if they win either of those games, Ohio State or Michigan, the Bulls are ranked. So that's what's kind of being held against them, if you will. Middle Tennessee State is incidentally 20th in the net ranking. So five teams on the bowl schedule in the top 20. Alabama slipped a few last night. Yeah kind of took it on the chin against LSU. Try 89 to 51 in Tuscaloosa. LSU is still undefeated. Now the good news is a team like LSU which is very very scary. Their interior force is Angel Reese and Her numbers are ridiculous as we get back to Dulcie Fankamangiadu, who is fourth in the country in rebounding average, 12.4 per game. Reese averages 15.5. That's actually second in the country behind BYU's Lauren Gustin. But LSU is a team that at the beginning of Charlie Cream, that's ESPN's bracketologist for the women's side, was projecting the Bulls to go to Baton Rouge as a seven seed. LSU is a two. Well, that's another reason why You want to be up the seed list to avoid one seeds and two seeds in the potential second round matchups. Well, indeed, the Bulls and all the latest projections have been up at the six seed line. And who knows if they win out conference championship sweep would probably be in the four seed or maybe even better, and that means you're hosting an NCAA regional. And with players like they have, you have the ability to think in those terms. Here's some of Jose Fernandez, specifically on the rebounding, and when Dulce Fankamengiadu gets them, she gets them in mass, how it turns into offense a lot of times.
0: Well, I think when she rebounds, it just get lets us start our break so much easier, right? Look at our fast break points. What was it? 21-0, right? Our wings got out and ran, and you know, when we run the middle of the floor, right? Defenses have to make a choice. All right, am I going to give up a layup or am I going to give up a three? Because you got to defend from inside to outside in transition. So that was key when our fours and, and and our five ran ran the floor. Now, everything's get sucked in, and now you can you can really pitch it to the wings, and they can create off the bounce or shoot the three in transition.
1: Now let's listen to Dulcie a little bit. One thing that I found a little hard to believe, then I thought about it and believed it that Jose mentioned in the press conference after the game was he did not mention UCF at all in the prep for the game. This was not, and it's true, this was not some grudge match or anything like that because it's just not the same team. Last year, UCF kind of embarrassed the Bulls. It was a 54-33 game at Yangling Center. It was much closer in the conference tournament final, but It didn't feel like you were beating that team, put it that way. It felt great for the fans to watch, obviously, and it was a 32-point victory. And I thought it was pretty cool that three different quarters in this contest on Sunday, the Bulls scored more than they did in most of their halves in those three games against UCF last year. But there was a little bit of redemption for Dulce Fankham but more redemption for the last game. I like this. We were just down, devastating.
2: That's how I felt, like, disappointed for, like how badly played and all that. So having a game like this against them again, I know, like you said, it's not the same thing. But it's to UCF, so. The thing that motivated me more was how we responded to the last game. It wasn't really about UCF, but like
3: how we did last game and how we came to respond to that.
1: And just to recap, the Bulls did win that game against Houston, but it clearly did not feel that way, as we said on last Thursday's show. So that's a sign of a good team, right, where they win a game and feel like they really didn't earn it and want to make up for it next time out, and boy, did the Bulls do that. I hinted at it earlier. Remember last year towards the end of the season, Dulce kind of got knocked out of the starting lineup by Shea Leverett. She just didn't have it going at the end. She was missing a lot of layups, wasn't exerting herself. Boy, has that changed.
2: In terms of leadership, I feel like I'm more outspoken. Maybe it's because I'm in the starting five. I really don't know. But this just like I feel good talking to them. I'm not really scared as I was last year.
1: One thing I really like about Dulcie is how she will admit to just having those struggles last year, and it would appear that she has put those pretty firmly behind her. And I know on yesterday's show I said that today I wanted to feature the ending of the game and the bench coming through. We'll hang on to that for tomorrow's show because it is a significant storyline, but with everything else that happened on Monday, I wanted to hold off on that storyline, but it could be an important one moving forward. By the way, we will be moving on the plane to Tulsa today. It's called a swing trip, so we'll stay on the road after the game on Wednesday night and then head to Memphis on Thursday for a Saturday afternoon contest. The high temperature for the entire couple of days will be in Tulsa is 42, so you think it's chilly here. Hmm. Also, Wednesday night will be a true doubleheader on USF Bulls Unlimited. Both teams on the road, so happens the women's game for TV purposes, is a 5 o'clock start. So right when we wrap up in Tulsa, we'll swing it over to Philadelphia for the men's team against Temple. And again, we'll preview both of those games for you. On tomorrow's show, we'll also tell you how the pregame's going to be a little bit different, obviously shorter, for the men's broadcast. Continuing on Bulls Beat, speaking of the men, Tyler Harris gets rightfully honored. We had plenty of highlights, so we won't replay any of them. We'll hear from him. And frankly, I don't think we hear from him enough because his voice is... Real fun to listen to. Oh yeah, he is also quite fun to watch play. If you want to hear the extended highlights of that game, of course they are posted up on our Unlimited Unloaded platform. That's SoundCloud, Spotify, Amazon, or Apple Podcasts. Just type Unlimited Unloaded. You get the full shows after the fact. But after the fact of the win, here's a little assortment of what Tyler Harris had to say. Again, there's not really a need for a reason to give you any of him speaking, but the official reason is because he was on the AAC Weekly Honor Roll. But here's what Tyler had to say about the... Big win for the squad over the Knights.
4: Coach BG mentioned that everything just got to go up a level. Uh, We play hard. You can't play good. You got to play great today. This game means more. So we had to play with a different intensity today, and I feel like, you know, we came out and did that today. Oh, yeah, definitely do feel way more sweeter, man. You know, to get 30 and get the win, you know, it's always good. To get 30 and get the loss, you know. It's not too good for me because, you know, I'm a winner. I want to win. You know, i want one the more victories. So no good games and you lost. Yeah, for sure. It was definitely nice. You know, it's always great to have support for, from your peers. Um, you know, it's always exciting to have a crowd out there because, man, you know, guys start doing things that I used to doing. You may feel a little more athletic. You know, a couple more shots might start going down. You're just so confident because you got your crowd behind you. Um, it was very big. I mean, we had them on the ropes the whole time. So we just wanted to keep them down, you know, finish the game all strong. You know, we never got – game didn't get back too close. You know, we had a comfortable lead. And we just wanted to stay disciplined because, you know, they were playing get back, and we was up, so we was in control.
1: I like when the other team is playing get back, and that was no small thing, man, the fact that the Bulls were able to keep them back once they took that lead. And simple thing, it seems like it when you're doing it right, making free throws. Brian Gregory on how the Bulls performed in that category. Oh, yeah, Tyler Harris did most of the making, 12 of them. In the second half,
3: if Tyler's going to shoot 13 out of the 22, we're going to probably have a pretty high percentage. Sometimes when the percentages are low, you got your guys who aren't as good shooting more free throws. But we're shooting 70 percent in league play from the free throw line through the first six games. So it's not like we haven't shot the ball better. You know, we're shooting 45 from the field, 35 from the three and 70 from the free throw line, averaging 75 points a game. Offense right now is not our biggest concern. But the focus that we have to have, Chap, last year shot 73% from the free throw line. Really worked on it and shot extremely well from the free throw line. He's been in a little bit of a funk from the line. But getting in the gym and working on it, and it's more mental. But he goes to the line and makes three big ones for us tonight. You know what I mean? So, again, just... We're more than capable. Something tells me
1: free throws will be important again tomorrow night at Temple. Boy, well, you go back to some of those games early in the season. Losing a three-point game to Southeast Missouri. Bulls were 9 of 19 at the line. Remember, they were up 9 at halftime at Auburn. That game they lost, they were 13 of 25 at the line. But he's right. They've gotten better in conference play. Began with that thrilling game at Memphis where they were 17 for 22. They had a drop off. And a very close loss to Temple where they were 11 for 19, but overall, you see they're a 65% free throw shooting team, which is not good, but in conference play, nearly 72% and Tyler Harris, try 88, 39 for 44, Russ Chiwa, 73%, 35 for 48.